Welcome to the Denver Community Church Teaching Podcast. Whether you attend our 10 a.m. gathering on Sundays here in Denver, are just checking us out, or listen every week from far away, our hope is that by engaging with Scripture, together we can explore and participate in the life of Jesus so that we can be a healing presence in our world. As you listen to this teaching, allow it to begin a conversation between you and God, you and the Bible, and you and your community. If you have any questions about DCC or this teaching, you can email us at info at denverchurch.org. To get connected or find out more about what's going on in and around our community, you can visit our website at denverchurch.org or download our app by searching Denver Community Church in the App Store. And if you want to financially support the healing work we are doing as we invest in our community while setting aside 20% of every dollar given to support our partners locally and around the globe, you can text the words Denver Church to 77977. That's Denver Church to 77977. Know that spaces like ours can only exist through the radical generosity of those who call DCC home. Thank you for being here. Let's get to the teaching. Good morning, DCC. Thank you. (laughs) Um, This morning, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing you to our guest speaker, Maddie. Now, many of you may know Maddie because she has been serving as our resident this year. Um, But a few things you may not know about Maddie yet is how wicked smart she is. Um, She is actually getting ready to finish up her MDiv, and then when she's done with that, she is going on to get a PhD in Pauline Studies. So big shout out to that, because we need some more lady scholars, so hopefully one day you'll see Maddie's quotes up on the screen when we're preaching. So we are just so thrilled to have her. Um, She really is totally brilliant and and just so thoughtful, so I'm so excited to hear her preach. Um, I'm going to say a quick prayer over her, and then I'm just going to let her loose. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for Maddie, um, God, for the calling that you have on her life. Um, God, that you have called her into corners that not many women are called into. And Lord, um, I just thank you so much for her grit, her determination, her brilliance. Um, and Lord, just that we have the opportunity to, to study the word alongside her. Um, I just pray abundant blessings over her. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much for that introduction. I am just so excited and honored to be here with you, especially since a lot of you braved some icy roads (laughs) to come here this morning, so thank you. Um, Since this is my first time preaching here, I thought that the best way to get to know somebody is to hear their most embarrassing story. Um, So I thought that what a better way to start than to share my most embarrassing story with all of you this morning. Something that you all should know about me is I'm not the most attentive person. Um, And by that, I mean my brain is usually off completely somewhere else. Um, I get lost in the clouds, and I am often completely unaware of what's going around me. Um, This particularly came back to bite me on one day um, when my family decided to go out to lunch in my small hometown of Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Yes, it's called Arkadelphia. Um, And we went out to lunch, and uh, 
I was, again, just completely distracted. I had no idea what was going on around me. And so um, what I didn't realize is that while I was off in my own little world, my family had uh, gone up, they had ordered their food, they had gotten their food, and they had already sat down and started eating by the time I realized what was going on. Um, they're very used to me being off doing my own thing, so they decided I'd figure it out. Um, they put too much hope into that. <laughs> um, and so, finally, I snap out of it, and I see my family eating without me. But I realize that they're in another room. Um, see, the restaurant had a wall of windows, and there was another room where my family had gone for more seating to sit and eat. And so here I am looking at this wall of windows, and I pace the length of it looking for a door to this mysterious room where my parents had gone eating. When I don't find a door on the inside, I think, okay, surely there is another external door outside. So I leave the restaurant, and I walk the entire perimeter of the building. There is just one entrance. At this point, I feel like those nightmares, you know, where you see where you need to go, but you can't get there. Have you guys ever had a nightmare like that? And so I'm kind of starting to freak out a little bit. And so I walk up to the windows and get as close as I can so that they can hear me. And I say, Mom, where are you guys? And she looks up at me. Did she not see her own reflection? That is a really good question. <laughs> and I don't know the answer to it. I don't know how I missed my own reflection. I was just so focused on my family sitting there with my food without me, that I'd completely missed it. And now you also might be, do I need to pause? Okay. You guys can hear me fine, right? Okay. Um, and so, oh, hey. I'm a lot louder now. This punchline's gonna be really worth it. <laughs> and you might be thinking, oh, what a sweet story of Maddie when she was six or seven years old. I was 18. <laughs> yeah. So what we're going to be talking about today is not my strong suit, but we're going to be talking about paying attention. You see, I think often when we look for the kingdom of God, we can be a little bit like 18-year-old me pacing along a wall of windows. We're looking for something, but we just can't find it. We're looking for the kingdom of God, but we're looking for the wrong people in the wrong place, and maybe we're even looking for the wrong thing. And all we have to do is turn around and pay attention. So today we're going to be opening up our Bibles to Luke 13, 18. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, which is the same translation as the Bible uh, under the seat in front of you, or you can use your phone, um, but I will be reading it for us. So this is Luke 13, 18 through 21. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, 
which a person took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. What is Jesus talking about here? You know, these are two parables that Jesus is using to define and describe the kingdom of God. And I think what we're going to find is that Jesus is saying, if you can't find the kingdom of God, you're looking for the wrong people, you're looking in the wrong place, and you're looking for the wrong thing. This first uh, parable is comparing the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. We usually talk about in sermons how small mustard seeds are, right? They're tiny I mean, about as tiny as you can imagine a seed being. And we usually stick there, right? We talk about how small it is, and then it's amazing with God's miraculous power. It becomes even bigger, the biggest thing you can imagine. But I want us to get in the minds of the original audience for a second. Jesus gets up and he says, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? This huge, divine, powerful, important thing, the kingdom of God, is like a mustard seed. Phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty leapy space. It would be like me getting up here and saying, Taylor Swift's Era's Tour. Huge. Amazing, phenomenal, I know some of you went. (laughs) And comparing it to something as small and insignificant, mundane, like the NFL. (laughs) This is a weird image, right? It would be like hearing me say that, even if I didn't just offend you right now. But that's not the first, I mean, that's not the only unusual thing. We have got Christ comparing the kingdom of God to something as small as a mustard seed, but then we also see a gardener planting mustard in his garden. And what's unusual about this is that was actually prevented according to Jewish law. So, You can't, or according to Jewish law, you were forbidden to plant mustard seed in your garden because it would get everywhere. It'd be spreading like crazy. This reminds me of when I was a kid, my grandfather, he had acres and acres of land, and this land was his favorite thing. Um, He was this 6'2 southern Arkansas man, and he just loved this land that he worked so hard on. But he had this one plot of bamboo that he could not get rid of. And to hear this man talk about this bamboo, I wish you guys could hear it in his deep southern accent. And one day I asked him, granddaddy, yep, that's what I call him, what 
what's so bad about this bamboo? You have plenty of other land. And he just looks at me and he goes, that bamboo, it spreads as fast as your grandma's gossip on Salon Day. <laughs> Whew. I've been with my grandma on Salon Day. That must have been spreading fast. But that's why, right? Mustard would take up every other plant in the garden. So that's why it was forbidden. And that's not the only other unlikely thing about this image. Finally, we have Jesus saying, this mustard seed grew into a tree where all birds can live in it. Did you guys know that mustard seeds cannot grow into trees? <laughs> they grow into shrubs. Like on a good day, three feet. They're not trees. I can imagine some gardeners listening to this and thinking, this guy needs to stick to carpentry. <laughs> this metaphor is all over the place. But it would only be a tiny bit heretical for me to suggest that Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Right? There's got to be something better. There's got to be something underneath this. First, with the size of the mustard seed and comparing all of his phenomenal cosmic power to this itty-bitty thing, I think Jesus is addressing the elephant in the room. He's saying, yeah, I know I'm not who you expected. Because he was coming and proclaiming himself as the Messiah. But Israel wasn't awaiting some carpenter from Nazareth with his ragtag-looking group of disciples. No, they were waiting for somebody, a warrior king to come and help them and save them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. They see Jesus and his followers, and they're like, surely this is not it. Surely, this cannot be the kingdom of God. Secondly, with the mustard seed spreading all over the place, I think Jesus is acknowledging what just happened. See, if you guys were here last week, Michael preached out of a passage right before this where Jesus decided to heal a woman on the Sabbath. And it upset some people. But they decided, they, but Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is going to spread. It's going to be everywhere, and it might, not be like, it might not look like what you expected. And it might cross some boundaries that make you uncomfortable. But man, is it spreading. And then finally, we have a mustard seed becoming a tree. A couple of days ago, I was at my friend's house playing a board game. You guys might remember Kirsten. Um, she was the pastoral resident before me, and she and I are really good friends. And I was just absolutely slaughtering her in this board game. Um, it's my, I, I can tell it how I want because I'm up here. Um, but I was admiring this plant that she has in her house. It is a beautiful, enormous monstera plant. I mean, it's like seven feet tall. The leaves are bigger than my face. Just beautiful. And I was telling her, Kirsten, like, that is a beautiful plant. And 
She said, oh, well, I have to show you what it looked like when I got it. And she showed me these pictures, and I'm not kidding. It's one leaf in a mason jar of water. And she grew it into this huge, beautiful, amazing plant. And I said, Kirsten, that is just really cool. She said, oh, you could totally do it. And I just said, I do not believe you. <laughs> but the thing about the Monstera plant is that it is within biological reason for it to become something out of something else, right? You get this propagated leaf, and although it seems miraculous, it's within bi biological reason for it to become this tree. That's not the case with the mustard seed. No matter how much attention and care you give it, it's not going to turn into a tree. So does Jesus not know what he's talking about? He's not usually known to mess things up like that. Um, so what I think that he's doing is he's referencing an image in the Old Testament. These huge military uh, powers, Babylon and Assyria, they were, there was often an image used for them of the cedar tree. And this image is throughout the Old Testament. But Ezekiel, um, you can turn to Ezekiel 17.22, the prophet Ezekiel decides to do something interesting with this image. Let's see what he says. 17.22. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. You see, what commentators think that Jesus is referencing here is that he's saying, I know I'm not what you expected. And I know this kingdom doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. But it's going to be bigger than anything you've ever seen. It started off with a mustard seed, an infant in Nazareth. But man, is it going to be big. It's going to be good. And if you can't see it, you might be looking for the wrong people. Let's look at the next story. So we're back in Luke now, 13, 20. He says, again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Sourdough girls, this one's for you. Anybody in here make sourdough? Okay, well, we gotta work on that. Um, but... You know what's even better than making sourdough? Being sourdough adjacent. You know somebody who makes sourdough and you get to taste test it. 
And what's even cooler is sourdough girls, they, that's what I like to call them, sourdough girls, they, they have this jar that's called a sourdough starter. You guys familiar with this? So it looks like just a regular mason jar on their counter, but it's actually a living thing that they feed, and it spreads, and then they bake it into the most delicious bread you've ever had. Kind of cool, right? It's kind of sick. But the best thing about it is these sourdough girls, they name their sourdough starters to acknowledge the fact that it's alive. And so also another cool thing about being sourdough adjacent is I became really good at helping my friends come up with names for their sourdough starters. So if any of you guys want to start, here are my list of suggestions. First, bread shearing. You guys just have to laugh, okay? Just give it to me. Clint Yeastwood. <laughs> Taylor Sift. Yeah. Yeast Witherspoon. <laughs> That's a good one. Bread Zeppelin. I don't know if Nick's in here. He likes Led Zeppelin. Or you could go for a more historical name, like Edgar Allan Doe. Isaac Gluten. <laughs> or my personal favorite, Alexander Hamilton, so we can rise up. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for humoring <laughs> me with that. But just like the mustard seed, if you thought this parable, the mustard seed parable, was unusual for the kingdom of God, just imagine Jesus comparing the kingdom of God to a yeast infection. There are three things that are unusual about this as well. First, Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a woman baking. A couple of days ago, I made dinner for my uh, brother and sister-in-law. Um, I have four younger brothers, so I'm used to this, by the way. Um, and I made them dinner, and I'm a pretty good cook. They were enjoying it. Um, and while we were eating, my brother looked up at me dead in the eye and said, Maddie, if you weren't such a good Bible scholar, I'd say you belong in the kitchen. Uh, yeah, so he knows that I'm a feminist and this would annoy me, so in true little brother fashion, he decided to, to use that to his advantage. Um, but I think that Jesus kind of knows what he's doing too. He knows <laughs> that he's going to shock them with this one. And knowing Jesus, I think he kind of likes it, right? He likes seeing their shocked faces. Secondly, yeast was a pretty common image for, um, in Jesus's day, for moral corruption, right? It's a bacteria. It spreads. It's infectious. It's viral and not in the cool way, right? So we have Jesus comparing the kingdom of God to something kind of icky. And then, finally, what's unusual about this image is the woman is cooking 60 pounds of flour? That's a lot of pounds. She's cooking not just enough bread for herself, but she's preparing a feast. So what is Jesus doing 
here. First, with the woman baking, I think it's really interesting because the Greek word here for mixing yeast actually means to hide it. So what she's doing is she's hiding the kingdom of God as she kneads this dough. One of my favorite poems is by George Herbert, and he um, tries to define prayer in this sonnet. Um, and if anyone can do it, a poet can, right? And, but he gives these lists of metaphors to try and describe um, to try and describe prayer. And one of my favorites is he describes it as heaven in ordinary. And I love it because isn't that what prayer is? We're just these ordinary people with our ordinary words doing our ordinary lives and we are addressing heaven. I think that's what Christ is trying to say here. He's saying, have, have you been looking in the right place? If you can't find the kingdom of God, go make some bread. It's everywhere, even though it's hidden in the mundane. Something is ex- extraordinary is about to happen. Second, with this yeast, uh, this yeast metaphor, we have Jesus, I think he's saying, like that jar on the sourdough girl's counter. It looks pretty normal, but inside it, it's living. It's growing. It's spreading. It's infectious. It's hungry. And the result is transformative. It's nourishing. It's comforting. Finally, she's baking a lot of bread. I grew up in the Southern Baptist denomination, and uh, let me tell you, there's not a lot of things I would like to keep um, from that tradition. Um, But there is one thing. The Southern Baptist potluck. She already knows. If you don't know what a potluck is, I want you to imagine I'm finally done preaching. You leave this room, and you see a table that is full of every single casserole you could ever imagine. And I know you Midwesterners love a casserole. Okay? And you just see every single family brings their best recipe to share with the whole church. And you get a plate that is, I mean, two feet high, and you eat every single bite because Miss Janice is watching. Make sure you eat every single bite. You see, in the Southern Baptist uh, denomination, women aren't allowed to preach, so they bring the kingdom of God in mashed potatoes and casseroles. You know what I'm saying? DCC potluck, okay? <laughs> we, can do, we can make it happen. But I think that's what Jesus is saying. You can't find the kingdom of God? Look at the banquet table. And there's a seat for everyone. For every kind of bird. There's a seat for everyone. Finally, you might be looking for the wrong thing if you can't find the kingdom of God. What I love about these parables is they both end. The result is something that is nourishing and healthy and hospitable and comforting and inclusive. All words that we always use to describe the church, right? Right? 
Y'all are like, <laughs> I think most of us, or a lot of us that I've heard your stories come to DCC because you've experienced some pretty significant church hurt. That's why I'm here. And I gave up on church for a while. Right around the pandemic, um, you know, everything shut down, and then things started to open up again. And I started thinking, what's the point of going back? But then I had a daughter, and I started remembering that there were beautiful things about the church, like community and worship and singing. And so I decided, okay, I want her to experience at least some of that. And so we go to church, and this, it was her first time ever at a church service. She was about 18 months old at this point. And we go to a pretty um, evangelical church, so like a lot of people who are worshiping are raising their hands and stuff, right? I like to do that sometimes. Um, and I see my daughter um, start to imitate, and she raises her hand. But then I look closer, and I see that not only is she raising her hand, but she's doing this. <laughs> to some of the parents in the room, you might immediately recognize that as the motions to baby shark, do, 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 do baby shark. And I realized <laughs> she didn't know the motions of church. How often do we come to church and we just feel like we can't fit in. We don't know the words to these songs. We don't know the moves. Everything that everybody else is doing, I mean, who even likes saying hi to a stranger on a Sunday morning anyway, right? It's hard. It feels awkward. But we give what we can. I think often when we look for the kingdom of heaven, all we see is oppressive systems, tired rituals, and a place where we just can't get in. And Christ is saying, turn around. Don't miss yourself. Your reflection's right there, honey. You are the kingdom of God. You are all the kingdom of God. If you want to see the kingdom of God, go wash some reusable mugs in our stinky kitchen downstairs. If you want to see the kingdom of God, stick around and watch the toddlers climb all over the, cha uh, the stage and fill this sanctuary with laughter and screaming. If you want to see the kingdom of God, turn to your neighbor and say, despite all of it, I'm glad you're here. You've been made to feel like you're small and insignificant. You've made, even worse, you might have even been made to feel like a corruption. Like you're making this place worse than when you got here. Turn around. You're looking at the wrong people. You're looking in the wrong place. You're looking for the wrong thing. But it isn't perfect. You're right. 
A couple of weeks ago, uh, my husband and I made the absolutely insane decision to bring our child to Disney World. Um, but it was worth it. It was fun. Um, we knew she has no idea what to expect from this place, right? So we decided to prepare her by showing her YouTube videos of the Magic Kingdom Disney Parade. And in true toddler fashion, she got obsessed. We watched nothing else but these YouTube videos of these freaking parades for weeks. But the whole time, as she was watching the screen, my husband and I were just thinking, girl, just you wait. And so finally we got there, and we're sitting on the curb in front of um, the beautiful castle, and the parade starts. You guys, it was amazing. She had these characters coming up and touching her, and she, I mean, she got to see Elsa face to face. <laughs> it was amazing. And I know that our divine parent, our mother God, our father Lord is looking down here and saying, just you think this is good? Girl, just you wait. Pay attention. And it's only a glimpse. I'm going to ask the band to come up as I conclude. We're going to be doing Eucharist today. And as I said, um, I grew up in a tradition where I never saw women doing what I'm doing right now. And all. <laughs> and on my first Sunday at DCC, I walked up to Avery, our amazing hospitality pastor, and I said, okay, how can I help? She said, oh, actually, we had somebody um, from Eucharist drop out. Would you be willing to serve Eucharist? And she had a million other things to do, so she left. <laughs> and I stood there <laughs> holding this tag. <sighs> you guys, I had never seen a woman serve Eucharist before. <laughs> and there I was. I'm here to say this morning that you are not just welcome at this table. You belong at this table. And this table is not the same without you. We're going to have four stations, two on either side of the platform and two right here in front. And we have gluten-free bread and wine in the big cup and juice in the smaller cup. And as you come up, guys, look around. <laughs> Pay attention. The kingdom of God is right here. The kingdom of God is you. And it's only a glimpse. Come as you're ready, child of God.